Today's passage is from 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 11 to 13. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. This is the word of the Lord. Okay, thank you, Evelyn, for uh, reading the scripture for us uh, this morning. Uh, good morning, church. It's, I'm glad to be back uh, after a few weeks away, and thanks for praying for me as well last week. As uh, It was the first Sunday I've missed uh, since starting ministry, which wasn't that long ago, but in eight and a half, nine years, that's my first Sunday I've missed. So, uh, But we're all better now. Our family's better, so thank you for uh, your prayers. It's my joy and privilege to invite uh, Reverend Gary Ruzma back. Uh, he really doesn't need an introduction because he's become a regular uh, a preacher in our pulpit here, and it's really a blessing to have him back. But I'll, I'll read his uh, a bio uh, just from the website here. Uh, Gary is an ordained minister in the Christian Reformed Church, currently serving as a chaplain in the Port of Vancouver with a CRC ministry to seafarers in partnership with the Anglican Mission to Seafarers. This ministry involves visiting cargo ships in port and serving in the ministry centers in Vancouver and at Roberts Bank. Missions has been the primary focus for most of Gary's uh, ministry life, especially leadership training. Now, previously, he and his wife Jennifer, with their three children, worked with OMF International for 10 years in East Malaysia, with a focus on training local pastors for ministry. He spent another seven years working as a regional director with OMF in BC. He also served as a pastor at Emmanuel Christian Community Church from 2010 to 2013, and preaching and teaching continued to be a big part of his ministry, which uh, we're delight to um, partake in the fruit and your passion for God's word. So let's give a very warm uh, LSE welcome to Reverend Gary Ruzma. Well, thank you. It's good to be back. The problem when you get older is your bio gets longer and longer. It's just inevitable and there's no, <laughs> nothing you can do about it. But uh, yeah, as I said, it's good to be back. It's a new year, and uh, the theme actually I titled sort of I gave to the sermon was new, all in capitals. Uh, so uh, it, uh, thank you. And uh, as we look in, explore God's word uh, from Second uh, Peter chapter three, and a new text, probably not that commonly preached on, but uh, I was intrigued with the text and the theme recently. Would you bow with me in a word of prayer, please? Lord, uh, we've been worshiping you through song and in prayer, through offerings, and now as we look forward, we anticipate hearing your word and hearing from you speak through your word. Guide our thoughts and lead us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. One of the uh, things that I depend on <clears throat> with my uh, sons, I have three boys, and it is when it comes to any kind of technological uh, advancement or upgrade, I just go, what do I do, guys? And so recently, Black Friday, Cyber Monday weekend, a couple of my boys came, Dad, there's this great new phone deal, and you get a new phone and everything. You got to go sign up. So I said, okay. 
Sounds good to me. I'll go. I'll sign up. So I went, and I got this new deal. It, it actually did save me money, I have to say, and I got more data, and I got a new phone. I got an iPhone 13. Okay, it's not the newest, but it's new, okay? It's still new, and it was an upgrade from my model XS or something. I was at, you know, the 10, the 10 version. I'm a 13 now. And so it was this phone, new phone upgrade. So I thought, okay, cool. So I went and got my new plan and my new phone. I went home and set up my new phone. A couple days later, my son, who did basically the same upgrade, one of my boys, uh, from uh, the 10 to the 13, he said, Dad, what do you think of the new phone? And I looked at him and I said, I can't really tell all that much difference. <laughs> I know, he said, I agree. You know, it's like, it's like this new phone and, and it's supposed to be this big deal. And, and I, I'll be honest, you know, I mean, maybe the screen's a bit better, but 60-plus-year-old eyes, I don't really see any difference. And, and, it, and the battery life, I guess, is a little bit longer. My other one was a few years old, so I got okay, a bit longer battery life. I think the one thing I noticed is the vibrate mode is stronger. I used to miss calls. Now it's like, mm, call, call coming in. But other than that, it's not that much different. It's an upgrade. That got me thinking, actually, about how do we view eternity? Do we view it as the new heavens and the new earth that our text talks about? Do we view it as an upgrade or as something radically new? And that's what I want to reflect on with you this morning. Now, this text, you, we really need to read more, and may, I invite you to go back and read through 2 Peter, the whole chapter 3 at least, and, and to see what, what's happening here, because Peter is all about encouraging and comforting his, or the congregations that he's, that he's speaking to, or you know, through this letter he's addressing, uh, as they're going through difficulties and suffering. And so he's trying to encourage them to stand strong and to, to be the kind of people God wants them to be in the midst of the trials. But here it's because something much better is coming. There's something way, way better, something new on the horizon. And so keeping your eyes on that, live your lives in the here and now. So this is all about the coming day of the Lord, the day of God, and the reckoning involved in that. And what he stresses here, just prior to this text, is this idea of, you know, why is the delay? And some people are saying, yeah, right, he's coming again, okay? And he says, wait a minute, don't give up. Recognize that this is all about God's patient mercy in the present time as he longs for more and more people to be saved, to come to him, to be, to be reconciled to God before his return. He doesn't want anyone to be lost. He longs for people to be saved. But the reality, says Peter, is there is a coming day of the Lord a reckoning, and it's going to be big. It's going to be huge. 
it's going to be magnificent. Something really radically new. It's not just an upgrade. It's really, really new. Now, he picks up the themes here uh, in this text, and, and he's reflecting on some Old Testament and other New Testament ideas, this, this common idea around in the scriptures that there is going to be a new creation, a new heavens and a new earth. So he picks up on, for example, Revelation 21. And in Revelation 21, it talks about uh, you look at that if you want on your own, and there's a whole section, verses 1 to 5, where it talks about the new heavens and the new earth and the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven, and, and there's going to be no more crying and pain. It's just going to be good, okay? It's a, this is what's coming. And then at the end of that, in verse 5, he says, then he who, he who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. I'm making everything new. New heaven, new earth, new Jerusalem. Now, that idea of the new heaven and the new earth, though, stems back to Old Testament promises, right? So, for example, in Isaiah 65, Isaiah 65, the prophet Isaiah already, the Lord speaking through him, says, See, I will create new heavens and new earth. So, this isn't a new idea. This has been recognized from God's word way in the past. New heavens and new earth, the former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind. Uh, you see the similar idea again in Isaiah 66, for example, and it comes up in other texts. So this is also an Old Testament idea, but the anticipation is something really new and good. Now, the reason I want to stress this is because there's sort of, there, in our modern theology and, and Christianity, there has been a shift away from seeing this radical newness to more of the idea of the continuity between the present creation and what's to come. Now, there's a reason for that, and it, it was an important corrective. Because there was sort of this idea, we're going to, uh, a church I used to serve in, they used to always sing this song, I'll fly away, I'll just fly away, you know, and off I go, and it's a fun song to sing. But, you know, it's like this, we're going to be floating up on clouds, and we're going to be playing harps, and just singing songs all the time, we're just spirits up there. And, and uh, kind of calling that back to, to reality, saying, well, at least the way we understand Scripture, like, well, no, there's going to be a physicality. There's going to be a new heavens and a new earth, okay? So that was an important corrective. My concern is that we've overdone that at times, and we tend to reflect on the, the new heavens and earth almost just like a bit better and more, but more of the same. It's like an upgrade. Eh, you go to the next step. But we miss that radical newness of what's coming. And I think that's a mistake. I think it's, it's unfortunate that it, because there is something really new. Now, the reason I, I, I started thinking about this uh, actually a long time ago, um, because I think, I think that idea of 
this, the continuation, you know, just, we're just kind of moving on to the new heavens and new earth, but it's a continuation. It thrives in a setting like ours, right? The relatively prosperous, comfortable, developed West. So why wouldn't we want sort of more of the same, just a bit better? And I think that's a problem, just an upgrade. I I, I remember thinking about this years ago in the 1980s. This didn't get into the bio. Again, it gets too long. In the 1980s, I worked for five years in Papua New Guinea. And I was, for three of those five years, I was up in a remote village all on my own, just living with a, a people group up there. And I can tell you, honestly, if, it's, if you want to talk about the opposite of where we live today, that's about as extreme as you can get to the undeveloped or the developing. But it's, it's really, really, that was a remote area. And death was everywhere. I mean, death was so present. People were dying all the time. And I was, this is a scary thought, I was the doctor. You know, I came in and I had some antibiotics and malaria meds and different things that I could, uh, but my favorite textbook was, besides the Bible, of course, but my other textbook was where there is no doctor, because <laughs> I was no doctor at all. But I had a clinic every couple times a week. On Saturday mornings, I'd have 100 people come by, and I'd be treating these people because... Sickness was everywhere, and we were constantly having wakes for and and burying not just the elderly, but infants and young people. It was so real. And I can tell you something. When those people sang about heaven, they did not want more of the same. They wanted something new. You hear it, too, when you hear, if you know or are familiar with the old African-American spirituals from the slavery days in the 19th century, mid-1800s. And they sang those old songs about swing low, sweet chariot, coming for to carry me home, because they were longing not for more of the same. They wanted the new, (laughs) the really new, and I think about it when I walk to work quite often. I often just walk to work because uh, it's about a half an hour walk for me down to the port, uh, the foot of Main Street there, basically. And I, I walk through the downtown east side. And I think of those people living on the downtown east side. Do you really think they want more of the same? I, I don't think so for most of them, at least. They don't, they, we want the new and it's only really recently in, in our more comfortable West that we've really started to focus on the other side. And so I want to call a corrective again and say, wait a minute, it is going to be new. Now, the truth, though, is that that hope for the future doesn't just look at the future. It also lives right now, anticipating, but living for the future already right now because of Jesus. Notice what it says back in 2 Peter 3 again. 2 Peter 3, verse 11. Since everything, and and it says, the way they put it here, 
I don't know if you can get back to that original slide. Yeah. Since everything will be destroyed. Now, it, it's a bit confusing in the Greek here, but the, the, the word will be destroyed is actually a present participle. Since everything, it's almost, really, it says, since everything is being destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? Now, there is a sense, because the, 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 uh, the main verbs are, tend to be more future, not all, but tend to be more future-oriented, but, but the, here, you get these present tense participles. Since everything will be destroyed, almost the sense that the, the process of aiming towards the future has already begun. It's happening now. We're preparing for the future already now. The future is already breaking in. And of course, that comes in, in the person ultimately because of Jesus. He's the one who radically brought in something very, very new. And so if you go to the text in Luke, I think I gave you that text, didn't I? Luke 7. Luke 7 um, when it's talking about comparing Jesus with John the Baptist, notice what it says. I tell you among those born of women, there is no one greater than John. In other words, John is the ultimate prophet because he's the messenger. He's the one announcing the coming of the Lord. John is it. There's no one greater. And yet, relatively speaking, the one who is the least in the kingdom of God is greater than he because of what Jesus is ushering in. Now there's this whole new era. The new has come. Jesus is so much greater than John that the new has come and is coming as in that sort of present tense participle idea. Another way we, we look at it is, uh, for example, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. You may be familiar with that when it talks about us being uh, ministers of reconciliation and the work of reconciliation that God is doing in us. And it, in verse 17 of 2 Corinthians 5, and the way the Greek goes actually is just like this. Therefore, I'll just read the, the first phrase. Therefore, if anyone in Christ, new creation. There's no verbs in that first phrase. If anyone in Christ, new creation. You could also say new creature. It can be translated both ways. But wow, in Jesus, the new creation is happening, friends. We are living in this time of, of this, this new creation. God makes us new. The process has already begun. The future is breaking in. And yet, and yet, there's so much more to come. We look forward still to so much more. Now, the critique by many secularists, particularly the communist critique, Marx's critique of Christianity and of religion in general, is that it only let, it got people to only look to the future and they ignored the present. Because they're always waiting for the pie in the sky by and by, 
they're satisfied with what they have. And he said, then people won't revolt like we want them to do. They need to be present-oriented. That's why Marx hated religion. That's why communists tend to hate religion, because it, they say it takes people away from the present. We need to live in the present. That's not true, unfortunately. That's not the way it is for Christians. Even though we look to the future, we live in the future beginning now. That's the whole point. When, when uh, one of the great abolitionists, speaking of the African-American spirituals, you know, longing for going over Jordan, the Jordan, crossing the Jordan, in other words, death and to get into heaven. But Frederick Douglass, the great abolitionist, who was a slave himself and escaped to the north and was freed in the middle of the 19th century, the 1800s, Douglas, uh, he speaks about those African-American spirituals, and he said, you know, those spirituals weren't just about going to heaven. They were also these metaphors for we want to be free now. So when they talked about crossing the Jordan, which was a reference in some ways to crossing over to be heaven, and that was to be in heaven, and that was what they truly longed for, but it was also the desire to cross the Mason-Dixon line in the U.S. and to live in the north where they could be free. The idea of going to Canaan, the promised land, again, it's a reference in one hand to heaven, but it's also this reference to, we want to go to the north where we can be free. He, he gives one uh, line. There was, a, there was a, a, one of the, the African, the spiritual songs goes like this, quote, I thought I heard them say there are lions in the way. I don't expect to stay much longer here. Run to Jesus. Shun the danger. I don't expect to stay much longer here, close quote. Now, on the one hand, you can say, yeah, hey, that's their longing for heaven. But you can hear, right, in their sort of covert, they want to escape. They want to run away run to freedom and it's a call in fact they they refer to it now as masking it's these songs about heaven but but they also were looking for all the hope right now in light of the ultimate hope that gives them it, it, that ultimate hope really gives them a vision for what they can hope for now without it you don't even have that sense of vision what are you aiming for but when you have a hope for the future, you can say, yeah, and what can we do about that right now? And so the future hope actually grounds and enables and promotes present action, contrary to what the communists said. There's a great little uh, verse, a, a little word in, if you can go back to the... Uh, um, the Peter passage, um, when it says, uh, since everything will be destroyed, what kind of people ought you to be? What, what kind of people, what sort of people ought you to be? Now, you could just hear that and say, oh yeah, what, what are you supposed to do? But that Greek term that's used there, what sort of, actually 
has this anticipation of something really great, positive. The, the term is used, I, I didn't give you these texts because I'll just refer to them, but for example, in Matthew chapter 8, when Jesus calmed the storm, remember? The wind and the waves, and he calms them. And after he calms that, the disciples say, what sort of man is this? Same term. First John chapter 3, when he's reflecting on the love of God, he says, behold, what manner, what sort of, what kind of love the Father has for us that we should be called children of God. And so you get that sense, you have to get that sense here of when he says, what, what sort of people, what kind of people, he's like, wow, look at this, what kind of people, get excited about this ought you to be. And then, of course, he goes on and talks about living holy, godly lives as a way of, this is really powerful here, right? As a way of, in a sense, anticipating the day of the Lord, verse 12, as you look forward, and as you speed or you hasten, it's coming. Have you ever thought about that? We have a role in a sense. Every time we pray the Lord's Prayer, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. Lord, we are in this sense anticipating, but also living into the reality of God's kingdom. We're in a sense through God working in us, hastening the day of the Lord. That's a pretty strong thing to say, that we have a role in bringing in God's kingdom through the kind of holy and godly lives that he calls us to live. That's living with the hope of the future right now. Speeding, speeding the coming day of the Lord. In other words, we must have future hope if we're going to in any way really live in the present with real hope and have a vision. You know, one of the ways we do this, just a little aside here, if I may, and this is, I bring this up, it, it, my wife, this is like her pet peeve when it comes to the way we celebrate Holy Communion. Because in typically in evangelical churches, we celebrate Holy Communion. What do we focus on? We remember what Jesus did, right? The death and resurrection of Christ. We remember. Well, that's part of it, friends. That's only part of it. It's a big part. It's an important part, but that's part of it. Because we also, and some of the churches get this, we also celebrate that Jesus is we're in communion with him right now. We are partaking of Jesus, the body and blood of Jesus. Right now, he's spiritually present with us. And so it's right now. But what we almost never focus on is 
until he comes again. That our Holy Communion also anticipates what's coming, that we will have that fuller, even fuller, richer communion with him when he comes again. That's why in the traditional liturgy, Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ is coming again. You always say that. Please, in your communion, your holy communion liturgies, don't forget that Jesus is coming again. Understand? Good. I see some people nodding. Jesus is coming again. Because without that, we're just truncating Holy Communion. We're just limiting it merely to a memorial. But it's so much more. Because he's here and he's coming again. Don't forget that. Okay, done with my pet peeve. Finally, the other thing that's key here, though, we need to remember is that all of this work of the new creation, ultimately, though we have a role to play in our holy living, but it is God's work. Only God does it. I don't think I'm going to read that. You can put up the Ezekiel. I gave you the Ezekiel passage, right? 34, if you get a chance. But throughout Scripture... There are these passages where, in, even in the Old Testament, Isaiah um, has several uh, points in Isaiah 59, Isaiah 63, where it's the Lord saying, I'm going to do it. Okay, I'll step in. God says he will, he will do the work. Uh, I think the clearest one, the most beautiful one probably, is this passage from Ezekiel 34. He says, I looked I, I'm, I myself will search for my sheep and look after them because the shepherds have messed it up. The shepherds, the current shepherds, therefore, as a shepherd looks after his scattered flock, I'll read it, when he is with them, so I will look after my sheep. You, you, you hear those echoes of, I am the good shepherd, Jesus, John chapter 10? I will rescue them from all the places where they were scattered on a day of cloud and darkness. I will bring them out from the nations and gather them from the countries. And I will bring them into their own land. I will pasture them on the mountains, in the ravines, and in all the settlements in the land. Read it in the ESV, because the ESV says, at several times it says, I myself will do this. It picks up the, that nuance of the Hebrew. I'm going to do this. God says, nobody else could do this. I'll do it. Because only God can do it. That also is our real hope. That's why we celebrate. We've just come through Christmas. We just had Epiphany. Friday was the Epiphany. This is sometimes called Epiphany Sunday. Uh, Epiphany just means it's the Greek word for to appear, appearing. Uh, Jesus appearing. It's often on this Sunday they, they reflect on the baptism of Jesus or the arrival of the Magi to to worship him or di different themes that they pick up in, in the church tradition. And, and for some, this is Christmas, okay? The Orthodox just celebrated Christmas. Uh, Christmas Eve was the 6th, 7th was Christmas Day uh, in the many, some of the Orthodox, many of the Orthodox churches, Orthodox Christian churches. But that's the idea. God had to come. Christmas God appeared. God came in the person of Jesus because we couldn't do it. Uh, again, the modern mentality is 
there's this sense, there's this optimistic sense like we can fix things. We're going to get it right, okay? I watched a, a movie. Uh, I was, I have to confess, I was, oh, well, on Christmas Day, my family kind of was all over the place. We had different things happening. Uh, I was all alone. With, I had the dog. Okay. And, but I went and visited a couple of ships, you know, but uh, uh, basically uh, I, was, I, was, I was on my own. So I, I, I watched a movie. It's called uh, Spirited. No, no, not Spirited. Is that what it's called? Spirited. It's this movie with uh, uh, Will Ferrell and Ryan Reynolds, and it's kind of a comedy, and it's sort of a modern take on a Christmas carol, and it's kind of funny, and it's a musical, and so I thought, okay, I'll watch something Christmassy, da 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 da, da. and it's kind of cool, it's kind of fun, you know, it's about some guy who's supposedly unredeemable, and then so you, you know, but can we do, and, and the whole, but the whole ending was frustrating, sorry, because there's a sense that, you know, you, you, you're not really going to be great or 100%, but you just keep chugging along. You keep doing your best, make these little changes, and inch by inch, you know, little by little, things are going to get better. And I'm sorry, I'm going to call it what it is. Bah, humbug. We're not going to get better. We don't do that. We don't fix it. And until we realize that, we're, it's just going to keep getting worse. I was on a ship a couple of weeks ago, just around Christmas, our Christmas, December 25th. It was just right around that time. I bet a couple of guys, captain, chief mate, both Ukrainian. We give gifts. So I came on with gifts for the crew, and I said, how do you say Merry Christmas to a Ukrainian <laughs> right now? I said, guys, I guess peace on earth must feel a long ways away. And they said, has there ever been peace on earth? Desperate. And I had to feel for them. But I had to also say, yeah, but you know what? Jesus did come. God came. And there are hints. And there is hope. Hope for a real future. A really new, radically new future. Now, just back to the iPhone thing earlier. Because I gave that just an upgrade. Imagine for a minute someone from centuries ago. And you could bring them here and say, hey, look what I have. Huh? I'm going to call my mom on WhatsApp. Boom. Hi, mom. You imagine what that would look like to somebody 500 years ago? That would seem over-the-top, radically new, right? What I want you then to think about is when the new heavens and the new earth come, it's going to be even bigger than that. It's going to be really new, friends. That's our hope. Let's pray. Father, thank you that as we enter, we just have entered this new year, even in the midst of some 
ongoing, difficult situations. And we don't make things better. Sometimes we make small steps, and then all too often we make those big steps back. Lord, thank you that we can trust in you. In you to make things new. Do your work in our lives as we seek to be your people. And Lord, speed your coming as we anticipate, as we look forward to the really new creation. God, as we live our lives each day now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.